all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress our faith confession together. I don't know about you, but I just love worshiping God. And somebody said, Bishop, why? Because, listen, when you, when you worship God, worship comes from an, an old English word, worship. It means to give something uh, credence pre- predicated upon value. So you give things value. Uh, you, uh, your car, while you're in the campus tonight, your car is locked. You know why? Because you're saying the things in your car are valuable. Uh, if you didn't think something was valuable in there, you would have left your car unlocked. And so what's the point you're making, Bishop, is that when you're dealing with God, is that he's valuable. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that's what worship is. Worship is just saying, God, we ascribe value to you because you're valuable to us. And maybe you, the person sitting next to me doesn't think you're valuable to them. But that's just because they haven't remembered what you brought them through. But if you just think back over your life just a little bit and see everything that God has brought you through, the stuff you thought you'd never make it through, the situations you thought you'd lose your mind. He has great value. And so when we lift our hands, the Bible says we're just saying, God, we give you value. We're just saying we surrender our value to your value. When you clap your hands, you're just saying, God, you're so valuable that I'm going to do whatever I can to visibly and physically demonstrate that value to you. Amen. Lift your Bibles out. We're going to get into the Word tonight. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the Word. I'm a doer of the Word. This Word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message Great. Remain standing, if you will. We're going to go to one scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We welcome those on all of our campuses tonight, especially those of you streaming with us online. We're excited that you're with us tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. Now, you know we've been in a series um, uh, over the weekend uh, called Spiritual Gifts. And uh, tonight what we're going to do is we're going we're to talk about spiritual gifts in 3D. Spiritual gifts in 3D. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. You got it? It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... Say, that's us. I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay? 
So as we dig into this tonight, look at your neighbor, just get a good smile on your face. Get a good smile on your face. Some, let, me, let me tell some of y'all something. When you come up in here, you need to be smiling. Don't be coming up in here all. Fix your face and then come on in. Amen. You ain't the only one that had some challenges today. <laughs> hey, are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Okay. And then if your neighbor won't smile at you, then just switch seats with them. Just pretend like you're going to the restroom and when you come back, sit somewhere else. Amen. <laughs> smile at them and say, neighbor, tonight we're going to go deeper. You're gifted. God wants to use you. God has a plan. You're part of that plan. You can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you that you're going to speak to us tonight. Um, one of the things that the Apostle Paul says in this 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I want to point out, which is the whole reason for the series, is he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, ignorance is a state of being uh, uninformed. It is literally the lack of knowledge. But ignorance has a unique uh, connotation that makes it slightly different than just someone being unlearned. Because ignorance is often ascribed to individuals who deliberately ignore uh, or disregard important information or facts, okay? Uh, people who deliberately ignore important information or facts. You've met someone that perhaps fits the definition of ignorant because you tried to tell them, don't go that way, and they told you, no, I'm going that way anyhow, and then you looked at them going that way, and you said, well, I told you not to go that way the whole time. So then by definition, that would then be ignorance because a person then chose not to uh, use the information that they had. They deliberately ignored it. So Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed and I don't want you to disregard important information. All right. So when we're looking at what we're going to talk about tonight, understand that the premise of it is so that you're not uninformed, but so that you make sure because you're going to hear me repeat some things that 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 you're not just just deliberately disregarding information. Makes sense, everybody. So the first thing, three Ds. So th spiritual gifts in three D. And so literally, they're just three simple Ds I'm going to give you tonight to make this very simple for you. Now, spiritual gifts, number one, must be desired. Spiritual gifts must be desired. Now, if you're just coming in, you're in Harvest for the first time, you might be saying, Bishop, what in the world are spiritual gifts? What in the world are you talking about? Unfortunately, I don't have time to reteach the entire series tonight, but you can get into the bookstore and get your hands on some of those materials that can help you come up to where we are. But a spiritual gift, in short, is a supernatural ability that God gives you to do God's work. It's a supernatural ability that God gives you to do God's work, all right? Now, <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, if you look at verse number 31, there's a powerful verse because the first thing we're going to talk about tonight is spiritual gifts must be desired. Say desired. desired. Say it again, desired. desired. Okay, now look at this. Verse 31, it says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, this is powerful because what this is saying is, is that you can desire not only to use the gifts that you have, but if there's a gift that you do not possess that you want to see manifest in your life, you can desire that gift. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes so far in the next couple of chapters when he's speaking about the gift of tongues. He says, listen, I wish that you all could speak in tongues. He was saying, listen, I wish that all of y'all would ask for that gift. He said, because of the benefits of that gift. So what's the point? Say spiritual gifts must be desired now now we desire uh, and he says desire of the best gifts say the best gifts now best has a dual meaning because best uh, number one can just literally mean the best of the bunch you understand that uh, there is a difference between uh, uh, um, oh, I want to do this and the, oh, there's a difference between um, uh, okay well y'all look at your name and say please don't be offended okay because you know how some folk are Okay, 
there's a difference between a Toyota See, I see the offense all in the room. I'm just making a point. There's a difference between a Toyota, a high-priced Toyota, which is a Lexus, because that's all it is, is a Toyota with an L, uh, and, a, uh, and a Maserati. Okay, all right. I, I don't see a lot of those in Denver. I figure I'd try to use that. Okay, now, there's a difference between the three. Now, one would say that the best out of that three would be the what? Maserati. Why? It costs the most, it looks the nicest, got the most supple leather, so on and so forth. Now, watch this though, but depending on a person's need, that might not be the best gift. Because you might say, I don't want to be spending $2,000 a month on no insurance for that, and I don't want to do, be doing this, and I don't want to have to pay. All. You understand what I'm saying? So to, to, to someone else, even though that's the best because it's the best quality, it might not be the best thing for that particular person because of their predicament. So when the Apostle Paul says desire the best gifts, what he's saying is just don't look for the gifts that get you a stage or a platform. He's saying discover the gifts that are going to be best for you to use. Touch your neighbor and say, God has a plan. You're part of that plan. Okay, which means then one gift is not more valuable than the other except for the sake of who's using it and what they're using it for. So when he says desire the best gifts, what we're literally supposed to do then is to desire that gift for a reason. And, and that reason is real simple, to help change the lives of others. So, 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 so let, me, let me come out of gifts and speak to talents for a moment. If, if you're around somebody uh, who hasn't eaten, is the fact that you know good math sufficient? Now, we're talking talent because math's not a gift, okay? Okay, what, what talent do you need if somebody's hungry? You know, you know how to cook or use the phone, either one, because you're going to order. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what's the best gift for someone that's hungry? Somebody that can cook. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when the Apostle Paul says desire the best gifts, what he's teaching us is this, is that predicated upon the assignment that we have for our lives, it determines the best gifts for us. Okay, and we're going to walk this out. Say, we're going to walk it out. Okay, all right, all right. So, so, so the, the, the overall reason that we desire the best gifts is so we can better or change the lives of other people, right? Spiritual gifts are not given to us so that we can just have us parties, and, and spiritual gifts are not given to us just so one Christian can look at another Christian's gift and say, look at your gift. And you've seen me do that thing before where the scripture says in Matthew that we're the light of the world. Say, I'm the light of the world. You, isn't that something? Jesus doesn't even call himself that. He says, you're that. He says, we're that. He says, we are the light of the world. Okay, now check this out. If we're the light of the world, watch this. What's the best gift to someone with no light? Light. So what's the best gift to darkness? Light. So then what's the best gift to light? A challenge. <laughs> I'm going to help you out in just a moment. I'm going to help you out in just a moment. Now, now, look at this. Look at this. I've talked about this before. You have two things sitting in your seat. There's two things you have. Two things you have. Got it? Two things you have. Okay, you ready? First thing you have is a purpose. It's the first thing you have. You have that. People say, I'm looking for it. Well, then, you, then you're doing something wrong. You, 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 you possess that. Now, where at, Bishop? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've talked about this before, but I just want to build this tonight because we're talking about how spiritual gifts must be desired. 
And I want to make that make sense to you. Second Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> it says second Corinthians five, verse 18. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the what? I don't hear you. He's given us what? Of reconciliation. Now, what is reconciliation? It is putting two things back together. How do we know back together? Because of the etymology of the word re. So that means we're putting something back together. We are reconciling. We are putting something back together that was once together. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, I'm an ambassador. As though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So your purpose is found right here. Your purpose is found right here. Your purpose is not to open a business. Your purpose is not uh, to get married. Your purpose is not to have children. Your purpose is to reconcile people back to Christ, back to God. Do we understand that? Now, from that general purpose that we all have and that we all share, and this is so very important, is then you have something that we could, we could deem a specific purpose or something that we could deem an assignment or an election or calling. I'm going to say all those four phrases again because they mean the same thing. Specific purpose, assignment, election, calling, calling. Makes sense. Now, you have something specific because while we understand our purpose is, is general for us all, there is something specific to the way in which you fulfill that purpose. Do you understand that? Okay. So all of us need to drink something, right? So then the purpose of, the purpose of drinks and beverages is then so that we can be hydrated, right? But now each beverage doesn't do the same thing. Coke, which is the only acceptable soft drink. Because people that like Pepsi need prayer. See, Pepsi prayer. No, I'm just serious. People that like Pepsi, I don't understand that. No, it's not good. No, it's not. Pepsi is disgusting. Pepsi's like drinking 45-day-old Kool-Aid. <laughs> just awful. <laughs> now, look, <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. If you like Pepsi, nobody's perfect. So the thing is, <laughs> now, look, okay, so, so Pepsi is, is, is a soft drink, got it? Uh, but then you could have sweet tea, and then you could have, what y'all know about that sweet tea? Y'all know about something about that sweet tea? Y'all don't know nothing about no sweet tea in Denver. Y'all don't know. Y'all put some sweet and low in your tea, but y'all don't know nothing about sweet tea. Okay, then you can have sweet tea, got it? Uh, now, it's not uh, quite a soft drink, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to fulfill your hydration needs in a slightly different way. Does that make sense? Now, that's totally different uh, than water. Are you getting the point I'm making? All of them have a general function to hydrate you, but they all do that in a different way. They have a different taste. They have a different nuance. They have a different being about themselves. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it's the same thing uh, for you as a Christian. And if you're not one, we believe that you're going to become one by the end of this worship experience tonight. Uh, it, it's the same thing. While we are all to reconcile people to Christ, the way in which we do that is specific to each individual. And we discover that through how we're gifted. How you're gifted reveals your assignment. How you're gifted reveals your assignment. And one of the saddest things that people do is they never find out how they're gifted, so they never complete their assignment because they're busy trying to do somebody else's assignment because they're convinced themselves they have somebody else's gifts. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, now, as we look at this, uh, say, I have a specific assignment, election, calling. All those are just real nice spiritual words to say that there's a specific thing God wants you to do that he wants you to do. Now, here's the thing. If you don't do it, don't think you're stopping him. He'll just skip you and pick somebody else to do it. So you ought to look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be skipped. I want to be picked. Listen, let's just tell the truth. If you ever played sports in your life, one of the worst feelings that you ever had was being the last person that they picked. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. If you played football, you didn't want to be on the B team. You wanted to be on the A team. You wanted to get the same amount of playing, team as, uh, playing time as everybody else. Everybody wants to be on the A team. You want to get picked. Bishop, what are you talking about? Understand this, that if you choose not to find out how you're gifted, means you'll never be able to complete your assignment, which means, God, you will have gone through life but never actually have lived. You would have breathed and existed but never lived because you're only living when you're doing the thing you were created to do. Scissors are only alive when they cut. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? A car is only alive when it's on the highway. A chair is only alive when you're sitting in it. That's why you've heard me say this before. That's why if you ever go to a mechanic and you have car issues, and one of the things they'll tell you, if you let your car sit for a while, they're going to say, and it's remarkable the language they use, they say you'll, you'll tear your car up. And you think to yourself, natural thinking might suggest that if you just sit, uh, let the car sit, that the car can rest. And the car can just be on its own and just, you know, just get some time. Quite the contrary. The mechanic's going to tell you, you're going to tear your car up because it's not doing what it was created to do. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? And that's why those of you that like getting extra rest, I need to tell you something. You're going to have to learn how to lose some sleep if you want to be a success in life. Because while you're sitting over there resting, the rest of us on the highway driving. You're not hearing what I'm saying. People in Denver take the most naps and breaks I have ever seen. I said, y'all the most nappiness, breakingest folk I know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> It's taking, I mean, what'd you do to take a break? You ain't, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Say, I want to be picked. Children of Israel chose not to do the three Ds I'm going to give you tonight. And you know what happened? For 40 years, they rounded around the same mountain for 40 years. And then eventually God got sick of it. And he said, you've been here long enough. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 1 for those of you note takers. He says, you've been here long enough. He said, turn north. He said, I'm sick of watching you do the same thing over and over again. He says, I know you don't want out, but I want out for you. Sometimes God will get to the place to where God gets frustrated with what you're not frustrated about. Okay, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, now, look at this, look at this, look at this. We're all to reconcile people to Christ, but the way we do that we all have a specific, an individual, specific purpose, specific assignment, election, or calling. Now go to Romans eleven twenty nine. Romans eleven twenty nine. Y'all all right? Romans eleven twenty nine. And talking about the fact that spiritual gifts have to be desired, and the reason we desire them is so that we can improve the lives of others. And when we do that, then we're finally living, not just breathing. When you find people that are mad and mean and hateful and ain't got nothing good to say, you know why they're that way? It's because they're breathing but not living. When you find people that gossip, they gossip because, watch this, it's because 
they are breathing, but they're not living. And since they haven't found any business of their own to handle, they get in other people's business. Y'all not saying nothing. Okay. You can cut out gossip with purpose. You can cut out gossip with assignment. See, because people that are handling business don't have time to figure out what you're doing. They don't care nothing about what you're doing. Preachers are talking to me all the time. Bishop, you know what so-and-so doing? No, I don't know what they're doing, and I don't care. I'm handling business. I don't have time to be fooling with that. High five your neighbor say, I'm handling business. I'm handling business. When you handle the business that God has created you to handle, you won't have time to get involved with other people's business. And especially, let me parenthetically insert this for those of you that have a habit of being fixers of other people's problems. Understand that the reason you have time to do that is because you haven't got time to fix yours. You are not Jesus. Now, now I know you may think you are. And I, I know you might think that, you know, you and him like this. But, but what I need you to understand is, is that when you have a bunch of people trying to get you to solve their problems, it suggests that God's saying to you that I'm trying to show you something. What I'm trying to show you is you ain't doing nothing. Bishop, what do you mean by that? That's confusing. Isn't the opposite? Not at all. Jesus, Jesus gave a parable. He said he, he gave one man a measure of talent. He gave another man another measure. He gave another man a higher measure. The parable of the talents. Now, that wouldn't mean little talents. A talent was a measure of money. You know what happened? The man with the most went out, he doubled it. The man with the second most, he went out, he doubled it. The man with the least, you know what he did? He buried it and said, I just didn't want to start nothing. I didn't want to, I, did, I, just, I, just, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to lose nothing. He wasn't talking about nothing. He wasn't handling business. You know what Jesus, uh, you know what the parable in Jesus said to him? Jesus says in the parable, he says, you're wicked and you're lazy. He said, because you're not handling business. So let me tell you what that man was doing while he went and buried what God gave him. While he went and buried it, he was out there trying to call himself counseling and helping other folk. Okay, it's real quiet in this middle section. Say, I have business to handle, which means I cannot fix everybody else's problems. They got to go to God the same way I do. Now, let me just say this. That's not to say, asterisk, that's not to say that it's not good to, to you know, be loving and friendly and that kind of thing. At the end of the day, though, people only have time to be involved in other people's business when they are not doing anything with their own business. It's the only reason why. Because if you're handling business, do, do, do you really think that, that CEOs of major corporations, that they are really up to what they're doing down the street? No, now they have people on their staff that figure out what they're doing down the street. But do you think they're sitting up talking about what? No. Absolutely not. Okay? All right. Now, say, I have a specific... Purpose, Purpose. Calling. calling, election, election. assignment. assignment. In Romans eleven twenty nine. here's what it says. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, this scripture we're extracting from, from a passage where the writer of Romans is dealing with this thought that, uh, that the children of Israel, that, 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 that they wouldn't be replaced. So we're extracting it, but the principle is still apropos for us. He's saying the gifts that God has given us and the calling that God has given us, they are irrevocable. 
Now, to revoke something, you would have had to issue something, which means God says he won't take it back, but you can choose not to use it. He, he won't take it back. He, God does not withdraw your specific purpose, nor the gifts he's given you to perform it. He does not withdraw it. Here's what happens for most people. They get so caught up with the happenings of life that they never do anything with it. Bishop, what do you mean by that? When you find your pain, you find your assignment. When you find what bothers you, you find what you're supposed to fix. More often than not, your pain will be antithetical to your gift to discourage you and intimidate you from using your gift. I just said a mouthful. Okay? When, when you find, when you find, watch this, when you find, when you find your pain or when you find uh, the thing that bothers you the most, what you have now identified is something you're supposed to fix. You've identified something you're supposed to fix. Say, there's something. I'm supposed to fix. Say it again. There's something that I'm supposed to fix. Say it again. There's something that I'm supposed to fix. Commercial interruption. Let me ask you a question. What is it that really bothers you? <laughs> what is it that really bothers you? Okay. Just get it on your mind. You ain't got to shout it out. What is it that really bothers you? Now, 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 now think about it. How many times have you gotten mad about the fact that that bothers you? How many times have you looked at something and said, I don't believe it. How many of you did that today? Something, okay, uh-huh, see, look at you. Now, now, check this out. Here's the deal. You know why that bothers you? You're supposed to fix it. So it bothers you. Because have you noticed it doesn't bother other people? You know why? Because the way they're gifted is different than you. The best gifts. They're gifted in a way that's different than you, so they're not aware of things that you're aware of. Okay? That's why someone that has a very strong and prevalent gift of administration that actually uses the gift and strengthens gifts, we're going to talk about in a little bit, they can look at errors and just get freaked out. Oh, my God, can you look at this? Look at what this Oh, my God. Lord have mercy, Jesus. And then the person walking by is like, that ain't no big deal. They just didn't put no period. I don't understand what the problem is. To a person who's not gifted administratively, which deals with leadership as uh, certain portions of that gift, you know, uh, something that's out of order could be fine to the normal person. They'd be like, oh, it's no big deal. Did you notice that none of the employees just clocked in? No. They email me. So I, but the person with that, they're like, that is not right. And then they'll get mad trying to email the other employees, well, you need to go chalk clock in. And you're not even a supervisor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Spiritual gifts must be desired. And the reason we must desire them is because we want to better the lives of other people. Now, you've already tested and we've tested. And if you've not done that, you can do it on our website. We've already tested on your spiritual gifts and you've already done all that. And so now that you know what those gifts are, now we have to do the next portion of 3D. You ready? Spiritual gifts must be developed. Spiritual gifts must be developed. So I got to desire them. I got to know what I have. And then I got to know what I need to do what I'm supposed to do. Okay? And, and we've talked about that before. I won't, I won't belabor that point. 
Number two, spiritual gifts must be developed. Now listen to this. Listen very carefully. Developed, here's the definition. It means being changed over time so as to be stronger, more complete, or more useful. To be changed over time to be stronger, more complete, or more useful. Now, it would suggest that if God gave the gift, that the gift came in its complete form. Uh, well, that's, ne- that's not necessarily untrue, uh, but it's not necessarily revealed. Bishop, what do you mean by that? It's because while God has given us everything, the scripture says, that pertains to life and godliness. So when God gave us the gift, he gave it to us with the totality, the fullness of its potential. We have to develop that which he's given us. Okay, so so it's just like if 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 somebody gave you if somebody gave you uh, here's a great example if somebody if I give you this water bottle it's full, but now you got to drink it. Otherwise, it's irrelevant that it's full. So it's the same thing when God's given us gifts. He's given us gifts that are fully developed in terms of how He's going to deliver the gift. Got it? You can't outgive God when He gives you something. But now, whether or not we develop that determines whether or not it's even relevant. Okay, just like you can have a degree, that's fantastic, but what exactly are you doing with it? Because other than that, it's irrelevant that you have it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get them. I'm just making a point. Do you see the point? Okay, now, as we look at this, being changed over time to be stronger, more complete, or more useful. Things are developed, and, and this is beyond spiritual gifts. This is everything in your life. Things are developed when they are submitted Things are developed when they are submitted. And I want to show you a powerful passage of Scripture that deals with this spiritual gifts thing. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Things are developed when they are submitted. 2 Timothy 1 and 1. And we're going to look at a few verses there. Y'all all right? You sure? All right, here we go. Things are developed when they are submitted. Things are developed when they are submitted. Now, let's look at this word submission real quick before we read. Submission, sub, under, mission. Under a mission. Okay? What mission are your gifts under? For that matter, what mission is your life under? Oh, it's under mine. Can't be. Can't be. You're, you're breaking the order. Now, we're going to look at what that means in just a moment. What mission are your gifts under? See, you can't submit to yourself. Oh, it's real quiet in here. Oh, wow. Y'all don't like that submission word, huh? You think I'd use profanity in church. Submission. Why do you think submission has such a negative connotation in our society. I'll tell you why, because our society is out of order. Our society, people just do what they want to do, when they want to do, it's your thing, do it. But that's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. And then people try to use the Bible to justify their lack of submission. Let's look at what Paul told Timothy about his gifts. And I want you to read it for yourselves. And I want you to just come to the revelation of what it says in black and white or gray and white or whatever color page in writing your Bible has. Second Timothy chapter one, verse one. Let's read it together. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. 
to Timothy, a beloved son. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Okay. If you, if you have a traditional Bible, underline the word son. If you use a digital Bible, I don't know if you can highlight it or underline it or, you know, I don't know, just write on the screen and pretend like you highlighted it or something. To Timothy, a beloved son. Now, Paul is not Timothy's natural father. Uh, Timothy's natural father disappeared uh, on him when he was younger. So when Paul comes into his life, uh, Timothy's raised by his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. And uh, he's raised by these two women. And when Paul comes along in his life, Paul is really the first man that Paul, uh, that Timothy really respects. Because Paul literally takes Timothy and takes him down to the Jerusalem clinic and he gets him, uh, he gets him circumcised, literally. Not talking about circumcision of your heart, cutting away bad things. He takes him to the clinic, and he says, if you're going to travel with me, we got to, they got to get this done, son, because you, the Hebrews aren't going to hear you if you're uncircumcised, because circumcision was a sign of having a covenant or being a Jew. You got it? So he said, I can't take you with me, and you can't travel with me unless you are first circumcised. They're going to have to cut on you. And so Paul really steps in and becomes a surrogate father to Timothy. Now, I want you to see that. I explain it because I want you to see something. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh-huh. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Who's he talking about when he says forefathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. As, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Okay. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of the tears, of your tears, that I might be filled with joy. So he's saying, listen, Timothy, he's saying, listen, I know you're going through some things. I know you're dealing with some things. And he's saying, I pray for you every day. And he says, I want to see you, but I'm mindful of the fact that when, when you're going through things that, you're, that you cry sometimes. Anybody, can we be honest? You ever have to cry sometimes? Does pain ever get to a certain place in your life? And sometimes you don't understand, understand things to a certain place. So sometimes you ever just have to have a little moment where you just cry. Would y'all just be honest with me tonight? You ever had a moment where you just had to maybe pull off to the side of the road and say, God, I just need a moment right now. You have to get up and go out of your desk and get into the restroom and said, I just got to cry. I just got to get this out. Paul says, I know that you're crying, but he says, I'll be filled with joy. Next verse. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. In, in other words, notice what he said. Uh, he said, I'm not going to pull you out of the mess you're in. He said, I'm just going to hope that the faith you've got is strong enough to get you through. It's the same thing Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, he says, Satan asked me that he could sift you like wheat. He said, now, now you think the Lord would say, but I told him no. No, 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 no. You know what the Lord said? He said, I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail you. Touch your neighbor and say, there's some things you're just going to have to outlast. There's some things it's not going to change. You're just going to have to outlast that thing. Some enemies aren't beating in the ring. Some of them are beating, standing by the side, letting it defeat itself. All right. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, I just make reference to this Lois and your mother Eunice, I, as a, I am persuaded in you also. Next verse. Therefore, now we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. He says, I remind you to stir up the what? The gift of God, which is in you. Read this last part. Through the laying on of my hands. What do you see happening here? Timothy got under the mission of Paul. And Paul says, what you're facing in life now, son, he says, you don't have enough in you to handle it. But since you've submitted yourself under my mission, 
stir up what's in you based on your submission. Okay, next verse. For God has not given us, you know this one, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, Bishop, what do you mean by submission? What are you trying to accomplish with your gifts? What are you trying to build? What are you trying to do? Because the first step of what you should be trying to do is to build the mission of another. Okay, and since I'm in Denver, let me just go ahead and say what I mean. The church. Okay, so that way we're clear. Okay. Okay. You, you, you don't have those gifts so you can go out and look real deep and spiritual to people at your job. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You have those gifts so you can bring them under the mission. Are we here? Now, here, here's, here's what's interesting about that. Because Timothy was doing uh, a particular task that was given to him by Paul to do. Timothy was out and he was, uh, he was going, he did several things, but one of them he went and he served as the bishop of Ephesus uh, for a period of time. Because Paul had sent him and said, I need you to go over here. I need you to handle some stuff over here for me. I need you to take care of this for me. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm giving you the gifts. I'm sending you. I need you to go out. I need you to take care of this. All right. He had submitted himself to the mission of another man. He had submitted himself to the mission of his man of God. He submitted himself to the mission of his spiritual leader. He submitted himself to the mission. And so now he was useful to God because he was submitted to a mission. Now, what happens when you're submitted to a mission? It means your mission becomes secondary to the mission you're submitted to. See, this is the same thing in marriage. Marriage, marriage is not necessarily tyranny. What marriage is, is the scripture talks about submission. It says, wives submit to your own husbands. And then later on, it speaks about this principle, uh, this somewhat elusive principle of mutual submission. But the primary and pervading principle of submission as it relates to marriage is the submission of a wife to a husband. Now, I know all the ladies aren't going to say nothing right there because we live in the Beyonce age that says I'm independent. I got my own money. And that's good that you got your own money. That's great. And, and, and that's good. That's, that's fantastic. You should have your own money. You shouldn't live off of a, the labors of, okay, all right. Okay, y'all want to say nothing? Some bitter, but I'm offended. I don't care. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is you should be a positive contributor. That's what I'm saying. You should do something. So that's good. You should do that. You should do that. Whatever that something is, you should do something. Be a positive contributor. That's all I'm saying. Now, check this out. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. The scripture says, wives, submit to your own husbands. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, now check this out. What he was saying is, is wives, get under the mission of your husbands. He was saying, get under the mission of your husbands. Now, here's the deal, husbands. If you don't have a mission, she has nothing to get under. So then sometimes a husband will say, Bishop, she's not submitting. And I'll say, well, what's the mission? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, then that's why she's not submitting. There's nothing to submit to. It did not say submit to you. It said submit to the mission. You didn't hear what I just said. Wives, submit to your own husbands. What is he saying? Get under the mission of your own husbands. And so sometimes you want power for the sake of power. And that's great. But what you got to understand is power without purpose is powerless. So what's the mission? Where are you going? What you going to do? 
There's nothing worse. If you've been on a job where there was no clear mission, there was no clear direction, you're just like, goodness, I am. And that's why we see the American workforce looking the way it looks today. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave that alone, but okay. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Say submission. Okay, so get under the mission, okay? So gifts have to be developed, and in order for them to be developed, they have to be submitted. And in that submission process, that's where God will begin to grow your gift. He'll begin to expand your gift. You'll begin to be challenged to use your gift in ways that you've not been challenged before. That's one of the great pleasures that I have when people are in ministry is giving them opportunities and putting things in front of people that they never thought they'd be able to do. Things they never done before, things they never had any uh, previous pedigree or experience before. But when they're given, when they get under the mission, come on here. When they submit to the mission, all of a sudden they're doing things that they never thought they'd be able to do. People that a couple of years ago weren't thinking about God, weren't thinking about church, but today are actively serving and leading in ministry. Why? They're doing that because they got under the mission. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? The people that walk around here with badges and stuff that are on the dream team, many of them had never served before in church until they came to harvest and. They got under the mission, and when they got under the mission, their gifts were developed. And so every last one of them will tell you, I'm a better person. I'm a better mother. I'm a better father. I'm a better wife. I'm a better son. I'm a better daughter. Why? Because they submitted the gift to the mission. (laughs) Timothy submitted his gift to his man of God. And Paul reminded him, he said, boy, don't you get beside yourself. You got those gifts because I laid my hands on you. He said, don't you for one second think, don't you start smelling your, your uh, undergarments. <sighs> he, he said, don't you for one second start thinking you hearing God greater than I'm hearing God. He said, because the only reason you got that gift is because I put my hand on you and imparted that gift. So stir that up. Isn't that interesting how he reminded him? God likes you. Can I just take about 30 seconds, Jaywalk here? God likes when there's order. God likes submission. God likes systems. Bishop, how do you know that? If you look in uh, the book of Joshua, we don't have time to flip there. Actually, go to Joshua 1 and 1. You can flip there. They can put it up on the screen real quick. I want you to see something. I want you to see how this submission things work. It's incredible. It's incredible. I understood and have understood this, uh, this premise and this, this principle and, and put it in place in my own life. Look at this, Joshua chapter 1, 1. Look at this. After the death of Moses, the servant of who? The Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant or servant. uh, Old King James, I think, says deacon, which all mean the same thing, saying, next verse, Moses, my servant, is dead. Go back to verse 1 because you missed it. After the death of Moses, the servant of, and we know what that means, yod heh it came to pass that the Lord spoke to who? Do you notice God didn't have nothing to say to him until his leader died? People who, who talk a lot about how they hear and have these audible conversations with God, you need to watch out for folk like that. Because when you read this book, God's not a gossip, so he doesn't just go around randomly talking to people about different things. When God speaks, it's something important. And when God speaks, it's a big deal. So if you're going around telling people talking about, oh, I just me and the Lord were talking and doing all this kind of stuff, then what they need to understand is, is, is they need to just look at the book. Because sometimes what you think is God is you talking to yourself that you made sound like somebody else. Okay, y'all don't want to say nothing to me? 
Put it back up on the screen because they're not hearing what I'm saying. They're not hearing what I'm saying. Look at this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Joshua was there for years. He was serving Moses for years. In fact, uh, Moses changed Joshua's name to Yoshia. Joshua means the Lord is salvation. Uh, the, Moses changed his name to mean God has saved. He submitted to the mission, and he went from being something that could happen to something that has happened. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? God says, I'll take you. When you learn how to get under a mission, I'll take you from where you could have been something to where you are that thing. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Nun means limitations. He spoke to Joshua, the son of limitations, Moses' assistant, saying, look at what God says. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, he's dead. Now, you get up, you go to the Jordan, you and all these folk, to the land I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Next verse. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as Moses said. Keep on going. From the wilderness is this Lebanon is, uh, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the, uh, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Next verse. Keep going. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Check it out. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Keep going. Be strong and of good courage, for, you t- uh, for to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Next verse. Only be strong and very courageous. Evidently, God wanted to make sure Moses understood this because he was saying, Moses, you've, uh, uh, Joshua, you're going to deal with some crazy stuff. So you've got to be strong and you've got to have some courage. That you may, watch this, that you may observe to do everything he told you. And let's just read it so you can see what God calls him. That you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, that you can prosper wherever you go. Next verse. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you see how many times in that few verses of sharing that the Lord reminded Joshua that Moses is my servant and you're his? I didn't, uh, y'all didn't, okay. Okay. Last thing, spiritual gifts must be deployed. Spiritual gifts must be deployed. Spiritual gifts must be deployed. Now, <clears throat> as we look at this, uh, go, to first, go back to 1 Corinthians 12 when we're done tonight. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12. All right, and uh, get to verse number 13. Spiritual gifts must be deployed or put into action or used. Say, I'm gifted, which means I need to be used. And I don't mean used in terms of a, you know, bad way. But how many people really ever are used for God's glory? Because if he's going to use you for his glory, there's some things he has to do to you. There's some things he's got to do to you. He's got to... He's, he's, got to, he's got to make you. He's got to break you. He's got to beat you. He's got to break you. He's, there's, there's lots of things that the Lord has to do to you in order to be able to use you for his glory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, say, God wants to use me. 
but am I usable? Notice I didn't say available. I said usable. Because you can be available but not usable. You say, what do you mean? You can be available to go work at a construction site, but if you don't have any construction experience, then you're not very usable. You're available, though. Okay? Say, I am and I must be usable. Okay, now let's look at what that means. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Do you see this? Do you see this? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear says, well, I'm not an eye, and I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body was an eye, well, how are we going to hear? And if the whole body is hearing, well, how are we going to smell something? God desires for everyone to use their gifts. Whether you think what you do is significant or insignificant, whether you think people notice or don't notice, it's significant to God because God says every part of the body has to do its part. If everybody's a preacher, well, who's going to be preached to? Who's going to listen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, if, 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 if everybody's a bathroom cleaner, well, who's going to clean the kitchen? You're going to have a spotless bathroom with a horrible-looking kitchen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So God wants everybody to use their gifts. Whether you think it's significant or not, whether you think it's important or not, God desires for you to use your gifts. And remember, we've talked already about the different ways we use them and all that kind of thing, so I won't, I won't go through that again. Now, here's the next part I want you to see. What you bring to the table is valuable when used in order. What you bring to the table is valuable when used in order. And why are you talking about order again, Bishop? Look at this next set of verses, verse 18. But God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So so check this out. It's God's desire for you to be at harvest, and it's God's desire for me to pastor harvest because that pleases him. Okay, y'all don't speak the king's English? That pleases him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, it's important that we understand that because when we operate from this premise that God does what pleases him and not what pleases us, then we can become usable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are going to be some people in life, let me make it very relevant for you. There's going to be some people in life, and guess what? You don't want to, you don't want to love. If you sit next to them, just, just wink at me. And I'll know. <laughs> There's going to be some people in life that you don't want to say spiritual things to. You're going to say, want to say some real carnal stuff to them. And you're going to want to use some words that they don't need no tongues interpreted for. They're going to be able to clearly understand what you're talking about. Y'all not saying nothing. There might be some days on your job where you, you don't, you just, I didn't come into work. <laughs> Everything we have can only be usable if we operate from the premise that it's not about pleasing us, but it's about pleasing God. Everything in the scripture, every time God calls somebody in the scripture, I, I won't say every time because there's probably, there is maybe one or two exceptions, but, but virtually every time God calls somebody to do something, they didn't want to do it. Moses didn't want to be a deliverer. 
Jesus, who's God in the flesh, he wasn't so interested in dying. He said, if it's possible, take this cup from me. <laughs> I don't want to die for these crazy fools. They crazy. I don't want to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, uh, you, you look at anybody that God used in a great way, it wasn't because it pleased them. It's because it pleased him. And only when you operate from that premise are you usable. Now, let me, let me give you some real practical stuff. I, I've taught a little longer than I wanted to tonight, but I wanted to make sure we get this. Let me give you something real practical about that. So, so you might think to yourself, well, that doesn't make me happy. Hmm. Okay. But God wants me happy, right? Well, the problem with that is, um, show me that. Now, he delights in your prosperity, shalom, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all as well. He delights in that. But show me where your happiness, because happiness is predicated upon happenings. Show me where that's his number one priority. That's not to say that God wants you in misery, so don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But, but God does not make decisions predicated upon if it's going to make us happy or not. We're coming up in May on seven years since God uh, directed us to do what we were supposed to do. And this weekend, we, it was the first weekend in this facility that we were in overflow this, this past weekend. But, but listen, listen, here's the point I'm making. I didn't want to do this. <laughs> this was not, it didn't make me happy. You know what I told the Lord? I said, Lord, I don't want to pass no phone. I said, let me just deal with leaders and stuff. I don't want to do that. You know why? Y'all know why I told them. I said, Lord, I said, because people don't listen. I said, and I'm not going to be sitting up going back and forth saying this over and over. I'm not a broken record over and over and over and over again. I said, Lord, I don't want to do it. He said, oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So ask me if I care. <laughs> He didn't. That's what he said. He just hollered at me. No, I'm just talking. No, no, the point is, is, is I didn't have any desire to do that. And then be a pastor to pastor as a bishop? I didn't want to do that. I was like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm cool. I'm cool as pastor. <laughs> reverend. <laughs> I don't need to be the most reverend. <laughs> his eminence, his grace. I'm cool. Wasn't about me being happy. Now, let me tell you, since I did what I was told, I'm very happy. Which means, here's the point I'm making. When you submit what you want to do to what his gifting and assignment and the mission he sets you under tells you to do, you're going to be happy. Timothy went where Paul told him to go. He was happy. Joshua did what Moses told him to do before he died. He was happy. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Titus, another guy in the New Testament, did what Paul told him to do. He was happy. People only got unhappy when they thought, well, I'm going to do what makes me happy. And then in doing what makes them happy, they sought happiness, but then they ended up getting the antithetical meaning of what they wanted. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Goodness, I'm out of time. Okay, 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 okay. Y'all want me to finish? Okay, let me finish real quick. Okay. Uh, verse 18, it pleases God to set you where it pleases him, and that's not up to you. See, what a lot of people think is, mm, I chose harvest. No, 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 no. He chose you. 
You didn't make no choice. He chose you. I didn't make a choice. He chose me. Now, listen, since he chose us both to be together, well, we're going to be happy while we're together. Okay, you didn't. I chose to serve the Lord. I, that's a bad understanding. The scripture says you didn't choose him. He chose you. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there indeed are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay. Now, the last piece I want to give you for gifts must be deployed. So the first piece I gave you was that God desires for everyone to use their gifts. Secondly, what you bring to the table is valuable when used in order, which just goes back to that submission piece. The third piece to gifts being deployed, we must use our gifts with excellence and love. We must use our gifts with excellence and love. Okay? Uh, there's nothing. Say excellence. Okay, listen. God doesn't do half put together stuff. Nothing that God does does he do it in an inferior way. When he made you, baby, he broke the mold. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? That's why I stopped saying, I wish I had another nose and I wish I had different this. And I would, baby, when he made you, the scripture says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. Your hair is just the way he wants you to be. Your skin complexion is just the way he wants you to be. Your nose uh, goes just the way he wants for it to go. Your feet walk like this, just the way he wants for them to walk. Hear me. He did not make a mistake. And for you to be unhappy with what he gave you, what you're saying is, is you didn't do it right the first time. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Now, let me temper that because I hear somebody saying, see, Bishop, that's why I don't work out. I'm happy with what the Lord gave me. That's not what I said. That's, that's not what I said. I'm trying to just walk us through it tonight so we get it. Verse 22 of that same chapter, we're through. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have, uh, have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So what do you mean, Bishop, we must use our gifts with excellence and love? Understand that this whole premise, understand that what you have, God wants to use. God wants to use it so that as you're gifted, you use those gifts to change the lives of others. God wants you to then submit those gifts to a mission. So as you do that, then whatever mission you have personally, God brings that to pass. What you make happen for God, God makes happen for you. When you handle God's business, God handles your business. I think I got a few witnesses in the place tonight. Now, listen, listen, listen. Then the gifts we're given, we can't just throw out any old kind of way. We've got to use them with excellence and we've got to use them with love. Say excellence and love. Now, those things aren't mutually exclusive because sometimes people think to do things well, you have to be mean. Or you have to be whatever. And sometimes people think to do things with love, you have to be a pushover. Not at all. Say, I have excellence and love. Okay, here we go. We're done. So check this out. If you've got excellence and you've got love, that means you take what you've been given and you make the best and the most out of it. That's excellence. 
Excellence is not saying, well, if I had this, if I had that, if I had this. Guess what? You don't. So what you have to do is take what you've been given and maximize it. Life is not about being dealt the best hand. Life is about knowing how to take a bad hand and play that thing well, which means you may not have been dealt a silver spoon in your mouth. Maybe you didn't have any spoon. Maybe somebody gave you a butter knife. You're not hearing what I'm saying. But you take that butter knife and you learn how to make you some butter and start. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You got to take what you've been given and maximize what you've been given. The man that's defeated is the man that wishes he had what somebody else had. But the man that is a conqueror is a man that says, this is what I've got and watch me work it. I tell you, high five somebody say, watch me work it. I may not have a six-figure-a-year job, but baby, I'm going to take the 25-year I get a year that I have and watch me work it. I may not have a car right now. I may be catching the bus, but watch me work it. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You might be living with somebody right now. Don't you be upset about that. Watch me work it. Watch me maximize what I have right now. I'm not going to sit up and wish I had something else. That's why you're mad all the time because you're sitting up wishing stuff was different. Stop wishing stuff was different and just work what you got. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Ladies, y'all already know how to work what y'all got. Y'all go buy it from Hair Joy. When you ain't got enough of your own, you go and buy something. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Touch your neighbor and say, work what you've got. And while I'm working it, I work it in love. What is love? Love, love. What's love got to do with it? Love is truth and compassion. Which means, watch this. When I'm using my gifts in love, because I'm deploying my gifts, what I'm saying is, is that not only am I going to maximize what I have, but I'm going to do it in a way to where I'm compassionate to people. People only get judgmental when they forget where they came from. When people get up and start pontificating about spiritual things, oh, I can't believe so and so did that. Hmm. This person has a spirit of that on them and this on them. Well, you got a spirit of judge on you. And the only reason you got that spirit is because you forgot where you came from. You forgot that the very thing you're judging someone for was the very thing you used to be bound by. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? That's why when you look back over your life, it ought to not only just make you thankful, but it also should keep you humble. It's, it reminds you that you ain't always been with... Uh, I feel like preaching for 15 seconds. It should remind you that you've not always been where you are and that the road you had to take to get to where you are was not an easy road. Who am I preaching to? It was not an easy road. Baby, you had to cry sometimes and you had to fight sometimes when you didn't want to fight and you had to deal with some frustration when you didn't even feel like dealing with it. But God stepped in and God showed you that his goodness and his mercy and his grace were sufficient for you. Don't you forget. Don't, don't, don't forget. The way you made it when that loved one passed away is because of God. It was because he had compassion on you. Don't you forget. I'm through. Everybody stand up. Don't, don't forget. Everybody stand. I'm through. Don't, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. I, I can have compassion with people because I remember where I came from. And check this out. Here's the best part. And I remember that I ain't arrived yet. 
Touch your neighbor and say, you have not arrived. Tell him, say, you look great, but don't fool yourself. You haven't arrived. You're not there. I know you have 2.3 kids because that's what they have in this area code. Your 2.3 children and your $67,600 a year household income. And I know you think you're doing it. Two cars. We're doing it. That's great. But hear me. You ain't arrived yet. And the way I can use my gifts with love and compassion for people is because I know I've not arrived yet. And then in having compassion for people, I have truth. Truth. What does truth mean, Bishop? It means to have compassion, I don't have to become a liar. And to have compassion, it doesn't mean I have to accept everything that somebody's doing. Sometimes people think, well, just walk in love. Well, that don't mean you don't tell the truth. Spiritual gifts must be desired. They must be developed. They must be deployed. Did you get this tonight? Are you sure you got it tonight? Father, we honor you for your word tonight. We thank you for your great presence. We thank you that we're gifted and you want to use us. God, you want to use us. And we declare that we are usable. We realize it's in the deployment of our gifts. It's not about what makes us happy. Now, when we do what we're, we're directed to do, we'll become happy. But God, help us to never think that that's the preeminent goal. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this worship experience tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight's teaching, of course, dealt with spiritual gifts. And, and again, I want to remind you that if you were kind of lost tonight, I want to encourage you to get some of the CDs so you can kind of catch up and be where we're at tonight. But hear me, if you're in this experience tonight and you don't know Jesus, he wants to know you. Maybe you've never given your life to him. He wants to know you. Maybe you've never become a Christian. He wants to know you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on a cross, paid the price for our sin, and died so we could have an abundant life. We learned tonight that that life is when we're using our gifts to bring others back to life, changing the lives of others. You're gifted. God has a plan. You're part of that plan. But then secondly, tonight maybe you're here and you've given your life to Christ before, but you've not been serving him faithfully and walking with him. And you want to do that tonight. You want to come back to the Lord and just say, Lord, I, I know you. I'm a Christian. I've given my life to you, but I got off. I started doing my own thing. I need to recommit myself to you tonight. If that's you, I got good news. I'm going to count of three. If either one of those is you. I want you to throw your hand up. And when you throw that hand up, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to lead you into a relationship with Jesus. And for some of you, reconcile that relationship. I don't care if you're in here or if you're on the Internet campus. If either one of those is you, on the count of three, throw that hand up. One, two, three, throw that hand up if that's you. Amen. Amen. I see you. Hallelujah. I see you. Now, I want everybody to lift their hands so nobody stands alone and say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I confess my sins before you. I thank you that 2,000 years ago, you died in my place. I believe and I confess. And if this is my first time praying this prayer, I am born again. My spirit is fresh. It's brand new. I'm a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. I believe that today is the beginning of the rest of my life. 
if I already know you, I thank you that you're fortifying my relationship with you. I'm gifted. You've given me those gifts. You want me to use those to advance the mission of the house you've planted me in. I submit those gifts so that I can be usable, so I can do something great for your glory. In Jesus' name. Would you just give God a shout all over the house tonight? I said, would you give him a shout all over the house tonight? Amen. Amen. Very quickly, do me a favor. Hug two or three people around you. Just give them a nice compliment. Tell them you really look nice. You can be seated real quick. We're going to see what's happening at your campus this week. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologists recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd. Only at BJ's.